back. You're listening to the Seek Insights and Resources podcast channel for employers. My name's Hamish Coots, and today I'm joined by Dan Trindade, who is a partner at law firm Clayton Utes. Dan's experienced in all things workplace relations and employment law, and he's here today to talk about workplace conflict and provide some practical ways employers can address it. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Conflict in the workplace, it's unavoidable. Um, can you explain why it happens and what are some, what are some of the common triggers? I think most conflict in the workplace tends to stem from misunderstanding. And I think as workplaces become more diverse, and they have over the last sort of five years particularly, mm. people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different gender, different sexual preference, um, the capacity for people to misunderstand each other has become greater. So generally, a lack of um, understanding of where people come, are coming from, the way people speak, the way people think, mm. and how they express themselves. And a lot of the matters that we are involved in really stem from that failure of people to mis- to understand each other correctly and to go beyond what's said to the motivations behind it. Right, okay. What are some of the telltale signs that conflict is brewing? I think as... as as managers and supervisors, people who, who manage, say, two employees can quite often pick up the signs that there might be some conflict where um, the communication becomes overly formal. So they, they go towards putting everything into emails, right. using very formal language, almost that idea of people not trusting to have the informal communication that you'd hope to get in your workforce. Um, silence is another one. Um, when, when people are obviously silent towards each other in meetings or just in those normal interactions where you would hope and expect there is a degree of camaraderie between people. Okay. What are some of the best strategies to address conflict in the workplace? Well, I think if we if we take the view that a lot of the conflict in the workplace comes from misunderstandings or miscommunication, the best way to resolve it is communication. It's mm. how you deal with miscommunication. Um, and I think having a degree of empathy for other people and trying to put yourself in their shoes, um, which is often very hard to do when people come from um, from a different place and you don't really understand where they're coming from. Um, but the only way to cure that is to go and have a discussion with them. And if you're managing people who are having that, being the person who helps facilitate that discussion um, and that communication quite often can sort of nip these issues in the right. bud. Right. Are there any legal requirements to consider um, in designing a conflict resolution strategy? I think the main one is that you want to make sure that there's a safe working environment and that that's obviously important from a health and safety perspective. It's important from a perspective of potential risks around bullying and harassment, potential discrimination risks. And I think not having a one-size-fits-all approach to resolving mm. workplace conflict. So, for example, if there was a, a serious assault in the workplace between two employees, a formulaic approach that says the first first step is to try and get the employees to work out the differences themselves is probably not appropriate. Yeah. Um, it's probably more appropriate to escalate that to a more formal conflict resolution. Mm, yeah. Now, addressing workplace conflict requires difficult conversations and no one likes having those difficult conversations. Do you have any um, insight on how it's best to approach these tough conversations that you do arise from workplace conflict? Yeah, look, I think you're exactly right in terms of no one likes to have those conversations. Mm. It's probably the hardest thing that managers and supervisors do. Um, But it's probably the most important thing. And I think um, avoiding them is the worst thing you can do. Mm. Um, And I think once you find that you've done one, 
it's easier to do the second one and it's easier then to do the third one. And the people who are good at having those conversations, dealing with the difficult issues, are just people who've had a lot of practice. No one's good the first time they do them. Yeah, okay. And so I always suggest to people, if you're if you're worried about it or might be early on in your career managing people and you haven't had a lot of experience in dealing with those difficult situations, prepare a plan, yeah. prepare what you are going to say and what you're going to ask and what you're going to expect out of the people involved and also prepare for some of those contingencies you know if the person asks this what am I going to say Mm. Um, because having that scripted out whilst it might seem a bit silly to sort of have a have a script going into what is meant to be a conversation where you're trying to get the conversation to flow it's often there just as a as a pointer and something to fall back to if you if you do get yourself into trouble. Are you seeing an increase in the legal cases arising from unresolved workplace conflict? Yeah, look, I think that's been probably the biggest trend in certainly in employment law in the right. last probably five five years. Um, back in the nineties um, and two thousands, it was all about collective disputes, and you remember there were used to be sort of lots of big strikes, and yep. well, we had the Patrick Stevedores and yeah. those sorts of things that caught the attention. They were collective issues. Mm. Um, certainly, in the last five years, the focus has largely been on individual grievances, um, particularly from people who have a range of of different claims. So you might have um, people bringing claims where there's a bullying element, a harassment element, a discrimination element, an adverse action claim. There might be a workers' compensation element thrown in. There might be a whistleblower element. There might be a complaint made to a parliamentarian. All of these things that can be uh, kind of started out of what was a relatively simple workplace conflict and have just escalated and snowballed. Yeah, sure. And we've seen more and more of those over the years. And And they're... increasingly becoming very complex and costly for employers and yeah. and, and intractable and difficult to manage. Right. And I was going to ask, what are the business consequences of leaving these um, conflicts unresolved? Um, and you mentioned a few there. Um, yeah. And look, there's a lot of, I mean, obviously there's significant cost involved. Um, there's a sort of emotional time and cost to all, mm. of, all of the people involved. And um, one of the sort of hidden costs is that if these things escalate, and they get to the point where people say, for example, commence litigation, the likelihood is that if it involves conflict involves two or more people in the workplace, that most of the people involved in the conflict will not be there at your organisation within one to two years' time. And so from a turnover perspective, from a morale perspective, um, even from those things as simple as the cost of recruiting and replacing um, people who leave, um, there's certainly that hidden cost involved. Yeah. Um, and the effect on other people in the workplace. It's very hard to uh, get up and get enthused and excited about work when you're coming into work, even if you're not directly involved in the conflict, when there's a clear conflict going on between people in the workplace. Mm, sure. Dan, unfortunately, a lot of our, our listeners today will at some stage probably have to deal with the conflict in the workplace, but um, some great tips for you. So thank you so much for coming in and, uh, and your time today. No worries. Thanks for having me.